Welcome to the Broadcast Dialogue podcast, the show all about the media industry in Canada. Welcome to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Connie Teeson. This episode brought to you by Benstown. The new Benstown plugin gives producers a shortcut to download Benstown audio. Visit MomentumMediaNetworks.com for more. As program director of Toronto's Boom 97.3, Troy McCallum wears a lot of hats these days. Videographer, website manager, content creator, set designer, and talent wrangler, to name a few. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, McCallum joins us to talk about the challenges of keeping the classic hits format fresh, his incessant search for the next big idea, and the station's new web series, The First Time. Hey, boom. Hey. Tell me what to say and I'll say I don't know what that means. My name is Troy McCallum. I'm the program director of Boom 97.3 in Toronto. I've been in the business for, gosh, 32 years or so. Started when I was 16. And it's been a very good industry for me. And uh, and it's been very good to me. So, loving it. And I want to do what I can to give back. So, I want to talk about how your role as a program director has changed in recent years because it probably is a far cry from what you started out doing. There's so much more going on now with social media, and you have to be present on uh, with videos, you know, like they, um, video was a, a thing back then, but not so much more as a content creator, so to say, having to come up with new videos and content for the radio station to sell on almost a weekly and or daily basis, I guess, for some stations. Yeah, and and because of the shrinking industry, uh, you have to do a lot more. You have to maintain websites, which you probably didn't have to do 20 years ago. So there's that. Uh, Obviously, uh, writing imaging for the radio station is something that PDs have been doing for a long time. Uh, Some some are lucky enough to have... uh, creative departments that that would handle that as well as promo and uh, maybe writing stuff for the website or e-blast but uh, when it comes to the boom brand I handle everything that goes out to the public so if it is an e-blast I write them if it's a write-up for a new feature or something on our website about the morning show or uh, a contest or so on and so forth I write all of that stuff too as well as the imaging and and so on and so forth so it's you know it's where where, where does it end uh, coaching talent looking for new talent uh, giving air checks to uh, up-and-coming talent that just want to reach out. Maybe they're in a smaller market and their PDs aren't giving them the time or attention, and I'll put a little bit of time aside to help them out. Video content creation, that's one thing that I really, it's kind of fallen on my lap in the past four or five years that I've been very excited about. Uh, It it gives me another chance to stretch my legs, my creativity legs, if you will, and try and challenge myself to come up with new ways to get stuff out there into the public to not only promote the brand, but the company as a whole. And we've had some success with that, too. So it's it's exciting. It's a lot of work. But, hell, it's Toronto. you got to do what you got to do. 
I think there are a lot of stations struggling with the digital shift. Have you been making it up as you go along, Troy? Or or how have you, you know, both managed this and found inspiration for some of the things that you're doing? Particularly, you have something on the horizon right now that's really cool in terms of your new web series, The First Time. I think it was basically, like I had no formal training. I think it was basically a process of throwing shit to the wall, see what sticks. But, you know, we've all, and and it still happens. You'll see videos that radio stations put out, and we were guilty of it too. But then there was a point where we're like, you know what? Is this really good for our brand, this cheesy video that is just kind of thrown together and putting something up just for the sake of putting it something up? And we kind of had a had a recoil to make sure that whatever we were putting out was good or reflective of the brand or something we would be proud of and not rolling our eyes over. And we've all done it, and but it still exists, and you see it. And that was one thing that I kind of learned along the way is to just make sure we're putting out as, as good a stuff as we can. And we have a very small crew of people that are doing this. Like, I reach out, I... I produce, I find the, the talent and so on and so forth, and then they come in and I direct them. And and then for this first-time video series, I'm shooting the videos, and, and then I am the promoter of it. So I go onto the websites and social media and YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff and and post it and so on and so forth. But the, the way it came around was, A, I wanted to challenge myself to come up with something that hadn't been done before or at least a different version of something that kind of inspired me. Uh, it started with Behind the Vinyl, and uh, I saw a video of uh, Led Zeppelin, uh, Jimmy Page, sitting down beside a turntable in his home, I'm assuming. It was quite elaborate, and he started talking about Stairway to Heaven. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. What if we did something similar, and we had bands, because we're a radio station, they come by, and instead of throwing them, just throwing them on the air and talking about what's new, what else can we get out of them while they're here? So Spando Ballet was the first band that we had for Behind the Vinyl. And I, the, day, the day before, I ran to the ReStore and bought a crappy old carpet and a piece of shit table. And we grabbed a turntable from engineering. And I went to Fabricland and bought some black fabric and taped it to the walls. And my cameraman uh, at the time, our digital content producer, he, he shot the video and I directed the guys and 15 seconds into it, I said, here's the concept. We're gonna, you're going to put the needle on the record. When it starts playing, you, you talk over the song about anything and everything to do with it. And when the song's done, you're done. And then 30 seconds into it, they did it. And I looked over at the camera guy and we both got like chills. We're like, wow, we got something here. And next thing you know, Tom Cochran came in and Kim Mitchell and now we're about 150 episodes deep, which is great. So that was great. And then we got to a point where we were starting to exhaust uh, some of the Canadian talent, where it was like, okay, well, we've done everything we can with Kim Mitchell. I think he's got like eight or nine videos for Behind the Vinyl. What else can we do? So then I guess it was a, a Behind the Vinyl episode, and I was chatting with Gowan afterwards, and he was telling me, he heard a story about, Eddie Schwartz, and the first time he heard his song on the radio, how he got kicked out of a, a business because they thought he was homeless and he was all excited. And that just, a light bulb went off in my head the first time. That the first time you heard your song on the radio. So I went to, uh, I have a radio collection. I do a lot of yard sales, and I grabbed all my old radios from my basement and built a little set on the floor here at 22 St. Clair on the 20th floor. And 
put a little makeshift set together and started shooting those. And cool enough that uh, Eddie Schwartz actually is part of the series. He's coming out shortly with his story. But uh, yeah, so that it just kind of it worked, and and it works because. It's rather than putting somebody in a studio and putting them on air like it's been done a hundred times for years and years, uh, which is fine, which is what radio is all about, but I wanted to get more because it's, you know, 2019 and we have a social media presence and we need to have some brand extension out there. Going to the spirit of the first time, I think it's a really interesting phenomenon in that still in the era of mobile consumption and, you know, everything digital, that for artists still, that thrill of hearing yourself on the radio for the first time hasn't changed. Yeah, that's that's what it was too, is it... The excitement when 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 I was talking with Gowan, he was telling me how he's freaking out, and then he told his story, and I thought, you know, we got something here, and that's something. Yes, you're exactly right. It's something that they never lose. It's like you know, when I was a jock, and the first time I did Toronto Morning Radio, I had to fill in, uh, I think, for Humble Howard at the time, and I was nervous as hell, but I was also excited. I ended up throwing up in the bathroom five minutes before I was on air, but. I was like, oh, my God, I'm on Toronto radio doing a morning show. And it blew my mind. And and it's those kind of things that you, you know, it's applicable to anybody doing something that they love. But uh, we're a radio station. We get artists in. And that's that's an experience that they never forget. And the other th- what I wanted to say before is the radio industry. I, this is This is not only an opportunity to promote the artists and the first time that they heard their songs on the radio, but it's also a chance to promote the radio. And we need to do that. We, there's so much competition out there with Spotify and, and streaming and YouTube. And, and we just need to kind of bring it back to base about why the hell we got into this and what can we do to make sure that it, it doesn't fall off the radar with, with listeners. So it sounds like there's sort of a real DIY spirit going on at Boom. Yes, at Boom. And, and, and personally, too, it's just I don't want to do something that everybody's done. And I know it happens, and I know that there's repurposing and and taking an old idea and, and trying a new way to do things, and it happens, and it's unavoidable, but I'm constantly beating my head over it. Just, and it's just, just a, a me thing. What can we do that's new, that's not been done? I, I, I wanna, and I don't know what it is yet, and I'm, and I'm still looking for it, but that one contest that's, oh my God, like, that's a cool contest, and then everybody starts doing it. That's... That's something I would love to try and do, and that's what I'm trying to do with video and uh, with some of the imaging that we write on Boom and, and, and so on and so forth. But I still believe, you know, there's things being invented every day and created every day. Why can't we do that with radio? Do you think you have a more challenging job than some of your counterparts in other formats in terms of keeping the classic rock format fresh? Well, that is the ongoing challenge. We're playing music that's 30, 40, 50 years old, sometimes 60, depending on the artist or the song, but uh, it's been played a million times. So with a classic hits or a classic rock format, how do you keep it fresh? How do you keep it exciting? How do you keep the listener interested when they've heard A Criminal Mind a million times or, you know, all of these songs that were huge in the 80s and, you know, we play them uh, eight, nine times a week if it's a big artist or a big song, uh, how do you how do you keep presenting it so it's fresh? And 
So that's uh, that is a challenge, but we try to do our best. We try to uh, we've got over 5,000 pieces of imaging that we have on Boom. You know, not all of them are being used. Some of them are are one-time use. Like I'll write a I'll write a piece and we use it once, and that's it. It's dead. It's 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 not evergreen. But I try to uh, find the the core songs or songs that we play a lot of and create specific imaging just for that song. Or if it's a particular vibe, maybe it's about space, I'll create a, a couple of different intros for space songs that we can put that kind of adds a little theatrics to it that kind of tells a story going into the song that tells a story when it's playing. Let's talk a little more about imaging. You like to undertake what you call dominations. Do you want to talk about your most recent domination and some of the other ones that you've undertaken over the past few years? Yeah, it's, uh, that's something I, I credit uh, Steve Parsons for uh, putting a fire under my ass, if you will. And it's a great idea. It's, it's a big undertaking, but it's it's fun. And then when it actually happens, it's like... Yeah, you know, that sounds great, awesome. So you're talking about Apollo, the Apollo 11. It was the 50th anniversary on uh, July 20th of the landing on the moon, and obviously a big deal. Uh, 50 years is a is a certainly uh, noticeable anniversary, so we decided that uh, we would go all in from noon and then go all the way till midnight with the, the finale being a reproduced... Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd playing the album in its entirety. So we wanted to do it consecutively from where where they actually took off from Houston. Anyway, they launched and then everything kind of like timed out throughout the whole day. I had a uh, an album that I bought at a yard sale, The Landing on the Moon, and I took the, I've got one of those uh, vinyl, turn it into MP3 players. So then I went through and edited it all down, found the cool parts, and then tried to again, like I'd said earlier about finding key moments in the actual clip that have to do with maybe I can find a song that would sound fantastic going into from that clip. Like there's one thing where they, they're leaving the ship and they're going into the Eagle and the lights turn on and go, oh, wow, it's really bright. You did a great job on the lights. Yeah, it's like opening up a refrigerator door. It's so bright. And then we go into Blinded by the Light with Manfred Mann. So I tried to find lots of opportunities with the clips to tie it into a song that we play on Boom, and we have the luxury, thank goodness, with classic hits, because we play everything from ACDC to ABBA, you know, to Led Zeppelin, to Duran Duran. There's a, there's a huge library of songs that we can tap into to uh, make, it, make it make sense. So uh, I looked for as many opportunities like that. I think I ended up producing 48, we call them fused intros, so we would lay the intro of the song over top of the clip, and then, you know, it's, again, theater of the mind. And it sounded super cool. And then myself and Derek Wellsman, the genius producer that he is, we were both characters as well. So I was pretending to be from Houston, and he was supposed to be one of the astronauts, and, and that's where we would tie in the, you know, go to go Houston. And I would, you know, hey, uh, Paul 11, this is uh, Houston. We tried to mimic the way they sounded back uh, in 1969 and so on and so forth. And, you know, it, I think we, we pulled it off and it was also a, a stingray incentive. You know, Steve Jones came in and Steve Parsons and we said, you know, maybe we can do this for all the stations. So we're like, yeah, sure. So we produced individual intros for all of the stingray stations that participated as well. And it was great. It was a great team effort. And I think it, I think we pulled it off quite well. We've done stuff in the past before, 
these these things aren't that easy to pull off, and you got to make sure you find the right thing that was uh, culturally uh, huge so everybody would get it. So the, the, the very first one we did was for a morning show domination with uh, celebrating uh, the 30th anniversary of Live 8. And uh, we pretended that the morning show with Stu was back in 1985. So we brought on Evelyn Macko and uh, Paul Cross to do news and traffic for us because they were doing traffic and news in, in, in 1985 in Toronto. And, uh, you know, we, we pretended that no, we didn't play anything past 1985. So we, and we even went uh, <laughs> with the website, we went 8-bit or, or DOS, I guess, if you will. <laughs> we dated the website back as well. And we, we tried to make sure that we, we made up our own cheesy jingles as they would have been back in 1985. It was a lot of fun. It, it sounded, sounded pretty cool. Do you think the industry in general is challenging itself enough creatively? I think there are exceptions to the rule, yes. But I think we got into a bit of a comfort zone, playing it safe and not challenging ourselves, I guess, uh, to a certain extent. I, I think there's lots of opportunity. We really we owe it to ourselves as an industry to try and revisit those days of why we got into radio in the first place and what makes it exciting. And rather than just hitting uh, schedule on Music Master and letting you know, the computer take care of everything, and then you massage it later. We, we, Wayne, our music director, schedules every song manually. Every song and every piece of imaging he does by hand, which is insane, but it works. So there's attention to detail there. He knows all the imaging now because he's had to schedule it manually. And I go in and, you know, throw some ideas. Hey, this would sound cool. We've got Imaging for rainy days, snowy days, car accidents. We've got a piece of imaging for pretty much everything that is going on, which is great. So it's immediate. But I think, you know, but I have heard stations in, in markets where they're playing imaging that's, that's just like they're just grabbing a piece and let's just put it in there. And there's no, there's no thought behind it. And I understand small staff and so on and so forth. But I think if you really want to stand out, you owe it to yourself to spend a little bit more time making sure that, You've crossed the T's and dotted the I's. Has all of this creativity paid off in terms of listeners? I think so. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, we've been we've been doing pretty good for the past uh, four or five years, six years. Our listeners seem to be appreciative of it. I think we stand out. The goal is to try and sound unlike any other radio station in the market, and I think we're accomplishing that. The listeners they embrace the idea. Uh, we're also a very listener-based radio station, which is great. We're we're heavy on the phones, and I don't see you know we get negative comments like everybody else here and there. You can't please everyone, but I think the the bigger you become, the more negative comments you get. Obviously, because there's more people listening. But I think for the most part, it's a culturally accepted radio station. It's a it's a different vibe. It's a fun vibe. We don't take ourselves too seriously. It's all about fun and uh, trying to make it exciting trying to be a foreground station rather than a background station thanks for joining us thank you i appreciate it thanks for listening to broadcast dialogue for more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the canadian media industry visit us at broadcastdialogue.com don't forget to like us on facebook connect with us on linkedin and follow us on twitter and soundcloud
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.